Hello and welcome to the Infinite Creators Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am your host, Chloe, and I want you to know that my intention behind this podcast is and always will be to expand your heart and your mind and help you discover new ideas, thoughts, and ways of being. I hope that with each episode, you leave this space feeling inspired, filled with love, and ready to take action in creating a life that is worth living. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope that you enjoy this episode. All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. I'm really, really, really excited to share this guest with you. Um, Today we have Sky Bear on the podcast, who is one of the good friends that I have met through Breakaway Movement, the community online that I work with. Um, If you don't know Bear already, Bear, um, he'll summarize this for you much better than I will, but Bear was born and raised in Hawaii and has done many, many endeavors throughout his life between surfing competitively, owning a nonprofit charity, martial arts fighting, um, and now he's working as an international teacher, traveling around the world, hosting retreats, and um, implementing the power of breathwork in everyone's life. So thank you so much, Bear, for tuning in um, to this conversation with me. I'm so stoked to have you here, Um, and I know that this is going to be really profound and transformative for everyone listening. Mm, It's a pleasure. Um, Thank you for having me. I feel honored and yeah, blessed to be able to share this information, this knowledge, and um, yeah, I'm really excited for the for the next uh, hour or so. Amazing. Yeah, we'll just kind of let it flow and who knows, maybe it'll go longer than an hour. But um, to start off the podcast, I would love to ask you um, sort of an intro question just to see what your favorite um, most recent like personal development practices, maybe other than breathwork, since that's probably pretty obvious. Yeah, uh, I would love to share. So um, I have a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a long practice I do about three hours every morning and so um, that consists of a lot of different things um, within that it's uh, Ashtanga yoga um, it's some movement practices through an individual named Ido Portal um, sorry love can you still hear me yep I think I cut out there for a second Um, so there's a movement practice that I do that is just kind of focused on movement and breath. Um, and then I go into kind of some Ashtanga yoga, which has been life-changing. I'll share more about that and, you know, in in the following uh, session, but, um, and then I'll go into the breath work and the meditation and all this stuff. So to answer your question, one of the, my favorites that is, I think maybe more recent, I don't know why I'm just kind of picking on something more recent. Um, the word favorite is, is a hard one because I think all of those practices are so essential to, to my development. Um, but one of the things that I've been seeing super profoundly um, in my practice is um, doing some eye gazing in the mirror with myself every morning. And so I'll kind of s- stand a, like in a, probably a foot or two away from the mirror and I'll stare into my left or right eye. And I'll um, do that and set a timer and I'll just kind of eye gaze in, into the, into the uh, mirror. And, and then I've been experimenting with um, different kind of affirmations or mantras. And then also um, really feeling the difference between just saying something and then actually feeling that. Um, and so saying it with kind of conviction or even sometimes screaming into the mirror 
Um, and so the profound kind of different experiences that I've been having recently in that um, would be something that maybe I would just pick from, like I said, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's, it's something that I've been newly introduced. And, um, and then outside of that, I mean, if I'm, if I'm being honest, when it comes to personal development, I think a lot of that is just um, has to do with my personal development is really around just my addiction to learning. And to, so um, I go through quite a few books every month. Um, I'm constantly reading and researching and um, there's a, a man named Jay Shetty. I'm not sure if you know who that is. He's pretty well known in the person development world, but uh, he says something that I really resonate with. And I love to, uh, I love to share with people, but it's basically super simple and it's, um, it's education over entertainment. And so anytime I feel like, you know, watching a movie or listening to music or stuff, which, which I think are beautiful things as well. But I ask myself in the moment, is there a moment here that, you know, maybe I should be educating myself rather than entertaining myself. So um, I would say my favorite practice uh, is is the practice of education over entertainment. That's incredible. I really love the eye gazing um, thing. That's actually something I've been implementing into my own life as well. It's so powerful because not many people do that, especially if you can look yourself in the mirror every morning, kind of out of a place of admiration and like... Mm saying like, I love you and you know, like really looking at yourself and ask. Yeah. I just really love that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, and Jay Shetty is incredible for anyone who doesn't know him. You should really look into him. Um, but I love that as well. Like anytime I'm kind of not bored, but like in a place where I need something to do, it's like, okay, what, what can I do right now to learn? Can I read? Can I listen to a podcast? Can I search something on YouTube? Um, so yeah, that's incredible. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Thank you. That's a beautiful question. Amazing. So um, for everyone who doesn't know anything about you, I think it would be really powerful to for you just kind of step into your story and kind of how this all started or maybe a little bit about like your kind of upbringing and how what like what led you to this point where you are now like running retreats internationally and being such a pioneer of breathwork and all of the transformative benefits of that. Yeah. Um, amazing. I would love to share. So I'll kind of share a little bit of an overview to be completely honest. I've had quite an extraordinary life and I could spend hours and hours talking about, you know, these different chapters in my life, um, that have really been profound and, and brought a lot of, um, learning and, and, and exploration and evolution in my own consciousness and in my own soul. But, um, I'll, I'll kind of just skim over the top quickly um, of, of a little bit of my journey thus far to help people understand maybe how I got to this particular point. Um, so as you, as you mentioned, I was born and raised in, in Hawaii, um, had a very different birth. If, if, um, if that makes sense, I wasn't born in a hospital. I was born in a, in underwater next to a, a stream and a very kind of interesting, uh, environment. And so I think, um, only as of recently have I really realized how much that has profoundly affected my entire life in my whole path and journey. Um, so yeah, I was brought into the world in a very beautiful place and, and had a very interesting childhood um, and was really able to spend, you know, I didn't have a screen um, for basically my entire childhood, no TV, nothing like that. So I was never um, really indoors, always outdoors um, in the jungle, kind of playing with myself a lot. I was just kind of exploring through the jungle alone at a pretty young age. When I look back, I'm like, wow, my parents were pretty uh, 
willing to just kind of let me free. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, at, at a very young age, I fell in love with surfing. That was kind of my entire world, my entire life. And so at the age of eight years old, I got sponsored by um, one of the larger corporations. And um, that really started my, my, my first chapter, my first journey. Started to travel really young and was able to travel all over the world um, starting pretty young. Because I came from a place of not being very financially abundant, um, I was given the opportunity to really travel to these different places, but um, my parents couldn't afford to come. So what ended up happening is they gave me kind of the ability to do this travel alone. So, for example, at about 12 or 13, I was in you know Europe alone by myself with no supervision. And that could just continue throughout my, my teens, you know, being in Mexico and particularly places that were quite dangerous at times. So. It really helped me to kind of uh, mature, I think, a little quicker than some of my friends or, fam- or people that were my age. And so um, that really led me down that first chapter. Um, and then at about 19 or starting at about 16 years old and then uh, from about 16 to 19, I fell very deeply into drug addiction. And so um, I'm going to be celebrating my, my 29th birthday here soon. Um, and this is pretty actually mind-blowing for me to think back that 10 years ago on my 19th birthday, I, you know, was, was suicidal. I was basically hit rock bottom on my 19th birthday, but the, the kind of journey from 16 to 19 was, was a pretty downward spiral. So I really hit that rock bottom at, at 19. And, and for the, for the people that, you know, only know the, the version of me, that is this kind of inspirational kind of person. They don't realize that I come from a very, very, very dark place. You know, I, I, I yeah, definitely have a, a past of a lot of pain and suffering and so at about 19 years old I was kind of at that rock bottom point and I like to kind of um, think that 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 was really the beginning of my life it seems um, as far as my kind of spiritual evolution or my evolution of consciousness and into this world that I am in now which is teaching and helping others kind of you know take their lives to new levels um and so at 19 years old yeah I really hit that rock bottom and that was the beginning it seems like of my my journey um, what saved my life from, from addiction um, was mixed martial arts. At the time, I was uh, given the opportunity to, um, to do a little bit of training in jiu-jitsu, and then I met an individual who I knew was a professional fighter. So I asked him if he would train me, and he, he kind of looked me in the eye and he said, well, why? And I, I didn't have an answer. I kind of just stared at him blankly, and I didn't know why. Um, not until recently, uh, after a few different pretty intense plant medicine journeys that I realized why it is that I was so attracted to this particular realm and, and you know, why it saved my life because of, um, yeah, because of my relationship with it, maybe past just this, uh, this experience or this life. Um, so anyway, I was able to basically get saved and, and that was my savior. And I, I dove into that world and I spent from about 19 years old for the next six years or so. I, I just, put my heart and my soul into mixed martial arts and and um, started to travel and to fight and, and compete. And that was, um, that was really the base of a lot of, I think, what um, laid the soil and the fertile soil for my evolution. Um, and from there, it basically led me to start to ask myself some bigger questions, like what I wanted to do before I you know died and how I wanted to get back and to serve the world. And so I went on to start, um, but my first company in Hawaii, which is an activities company, that started to do well. And then I went into um, starting a nonprofit organization. I found that 
um, in the neighborhood or the community that I was from that I saw many, many children that were going to go down the same path that I had kind of gone down because I was looking up to the wrong role models and I was just kind of wasn't really um, having the positive influence that, you know, I think could have helped um, not to take back. I think I wouldn't change it for the world, but I saw that we could make a difference in the community that we had there um, helping kids, you know, steer kids away from drugs. But if I'm being honest, you know, kids are experimenting with drugs. Kids are going to experiment with a lot of different things. And it's like, okay, it's how do we, you know, steer maybe some of the ones that we can away, but how do we give them the tools that they can use once they do find in themselves, you know, them in the, in them, these areas of darkness, whether it's, you know, drug addiction or addiction to social media, whether it's depression or anxiety, it's like, how do we give kids the tools to be able to really thrive in life? And so we started an organization or I started it and then built a huge team and um, eventually created a beautiful organization that had a life of its own that offered free after school programs for kids, everything from music to dance, to gardening, to surfing, to, you know, to art, to you name it, we were offering these programs for free. Not only were we helping, you know, kids in the community, but we were also helping, you know, people in the community that had gifts to share, you know, that we can, why we call them the kapuna, which is just the, the elderly people that, you know, maybe had things that were, you know, traditionally going to be dying off. And so being able to offer the opportunity for people to teach and to be compensated for their time. Offering the kids, obviously, the opportunity that we were offering, but also parents as well. You know, a lot of parents working three jobs and they had to worry about how to take care of their kids from you know time they were off school until the time that they got off work. So this opportunity and this organization really helped me in my development around just giving and the power of giving and the power of service. Um, and from there, I went into to kind of continue my journey and I, I started um, a few different companies. One was in company that serves people throughout the world doing international retreats kind of uh, collaborating with people throughout the world that have gifts to share and creating the platform and the space for that to happen um, and then along with a few other companies which I won't go into but that kind of keeps me up up to speed today which is um, really manifesting and creating a, a life that if that you know 10 years ago you would have asked I would have, I would have laughed and said that that's not possible you know to live that I wouldn't even have known at the time that it was my dream to do these things, but, um, but yeah, now I, I have to kind of wake up every day and pitch myself and go, wow, am I, am I really living this life of, of, you know, financial freedom of, of, you know, living up, uh, in a place where I'm, I'm doing really living my why I'm implementing, you know, the gifts that I have to give and, and feel very passionate about every single day that I'm alive and every single day that I, have the opportunity to help others, you know, to empower others, to lift others up in, in these times, you know. So anyway, that was a bit a bit much, but no, that was incredible. It helps, I feel like, for a lot of people just to hear that insight. Cause some people look at people like you and like, oh wow, he's so enlightened. He's so put together. He has everything figured out. But like you've it's been a long time coming, you know, like you've been through so many <laughs> obstacles and so much experience so much contrast and it's so admirable that you came from a place of like heavy drug usage and were able to overcome that because it's not many people can do that you know um was it would you say it was like the martial arts that really like catapulted you out of that state was it yeah yeah and um, I think that you know basically I, I got to the point where 
um, I was able to, I had to ask myself the question. I I saw that there was this kind of uh, pull, there was this kind of something that was really pulling me into the sport. And it was, it was very, you know, very intense. And I got to a point where I realized, okay, I can't be both. I cannot be a drug addict and a, a professional fighter, you know, or a mixed martial artist. It's like, I have to be one or the other. And so it really gave me the ultimatum of having to make a choice. Because in that sport, I mean, your your body is your, you know, your, I guess you could call it a weapon, which I think a lot of people, when they look at martial arts, they're a bit kind of maybe pulled back by a lot of the violence that's at play. But when you get into the sport and you see the sportsmanship and you see the beauty, you see that it's an art in itself and it's a beautiful art. And um, and so, yeah, I, I fell in love with the art and I fell in love with, uh, with the world of martial arts. Um, and I was... You know, I realized I had to make a decision. Okay, I can't be both. I can be a drug addict, um, and I can be, a, or I can be an athlete. You know, which I had come from that athlete background, but you know, especially in surfing, there's still a lot of even professional surfers that are you know using drugs because it's not as demanding on the body to be. A, well, uh, that could be argued, but what I'm saying is, martial arts it's just like very dependent on your health and your stamina and your ability to to perform on a physical level. Um, and so therefore I, I just had to make that choice and, um, yeah, martial arts not only saved my life and helped me get clean, but it helped me stay clean and helped me kind of, um, open the doors up to, you know, to what came next. And I, I guess I didn't mention this in my story, which I really wanted because actually the most potent seed, I think for the evolution in my development was, was yoga. And so what happened was martial arts opened the door for me to yoga, to Ashtanga yoga. And the world of yoga, you know, and, and that Vedic teaching that is thousands and thousands of years old. And so that was what really kind of catapulted me. And that's what really led me into, you know, learning about breath and learning about what they call pranayama and the power of the breath and, you know, the power of movement and the power of concentration and, and focus. And, and so it was yoga that was really one of the most potent things for my evolution. I think if I would have just stayed in the fighting world and didn't get into yoga, I would be a very, very, very different person today. And so it was the yoga that really, I think, opened the door for me to, to really um, kind of bloom into this, into this particular human that I am today, which is only human. I think <laughs> it's important to state that too. Like a lot of people, you know, look at, you know, individuals that, you know, are sharing these particular things and they think, oh, they're so, you know, they're so this or this or that, but they, you know, they don't see, we don't share as individuals, we don't share the shitty shit, we don't share you know, the, the times of doubt or, you know, self-doubt or whatever that may be, or these times of making mistakes or, you know, falling back uh, yeah. into different, you know, different kind of negative patterns of thinking or whatnot. So, so yeah, it was really yoga that opened the door for me and, and um, I, I'm completely kind of at, um, at the service of, of that world. And that's a, big part of I I think a big part of what I do is I I help people to understand the kind of cross-section of science and spirituality you know science is catching up to to what has been shared for thousands of years and so it's a passion of mine to help people you know not only understand it they say they say knowledge is is power but knowledge isn't power knowledge is potential right Um, yeah it is what it is you know it's where knowledge meets experience that's where wisdom is born so a big part of what I do is I, I give people experiences. That's a huge, you know, thing that I'm passionate about is helping people to experience things firsthand so that they can take those experiences and integrate them into their life for their development, for their evolution and empowerment, their own being. 
Yeah, that's incredible. And that's so powerful. Was it in Hawaii that you were doing the martial arts and the yoga or were you somewhere else in the world? Like when you were introduced to all of that? It was in Hawaii. Yeah, it was where I got introduced to it all. And then uh, I traveled for, for mixed martial arts as well. I, I fought in California and on the outer islands and other things like that. But, um, but yeah, it was all introduced in Hawaii. There is a big presence of, um, both i mean yoga kind of is an international thing now for sure and and martial arts as well but in hawaii especially where i'm from and the side of the island that i'm from you know it's, it's um, there's a lot of there's a lot of yoga and there's a lot of um, i guess there isn't a lot of martial arts actually to be honest but i was just able to to find this niche like i said it was just i just met one individual who drastically changed my entire life and i'm forever grateful for that for that human Amazing. Um, okay. So for anyone who's listening, I would say like a large percentage of people probably don't even know what breath work is or like what we mean when we say breath work. So if you were to, if someone were to come up to you out of the blue and be like, what is breath work? Like what's the, the easiest way that you could describe that? Obviously we'll get more into it, but just for anyone who has right. actually no idea. Perfect. Um, what is breath work? Breath work is the ability to control the energy within to put it simply. Um, and I can elaborate on that. Absolutely. But I mean, breath work, if, if you think about what is, what is breath, right? Like if you think about it, breath is, is literally life. Um, if you don't believe me, try to hold your breath. Um, <laughs> so I was, I had this conversation the other day, but people, I was talking to someone and, and, and they were like, Oh, and I said, breath is the fuel of life. And I said, well, wasn't food the fuel? And I said, no, food is the oil, right? Like you go months without food, right? Yes, food is crucial to the sustenance of your of your being. Food is what you're you're made out of, right? Your cells are really regenerated from the food that they say you are what you eat, which is very true. Um, but more more immediate, you know, than food is is the breath, and so breath is the fuel of life, right? Um, and what is fuel but energy right and so it's really learning how to use breath right the air that surrounds us at all times the most essential thing for a human being to survive it's learning how to use that in many many different ways to to you know help help you in whatever it is you're looking to accomplish which we'll go into you know which whether it's you're trying to you know maybe downregulate the nervous systems and you're looking for healing and you know you're looking to you know maybe deal with anxiety um, and, or you're looking for, you know, the opposite end of the spectrum, which is like learning how to kind of, um, activate the body and, and really, you know, learn to, um, use the potential, uh, and the power that, that breath, that the air around us, you know, um, can give us. When I, when I was about eight years old, I was in a store in, in Hawaii and I saw this flyer and it said breath work workshop you know, come learn. And I laugh, I literally laughed out loud. And I was like, Oh my God, this, this fucking person. Oops. I didn't mean to swear. Sorry. I told you I wouldn't swear. This person, <laughs> this person is making money off teaching people how to breathe. That is the biggest scam I've ever seen in my life. Like I was, I can vividly remember it being like, this, this is a joke. Little did I know, you know, 10, 20 years later, I would be, uh, I would be in that world. Um, so yeah, a lot of people Angel think about it. <laughs> <laughs> pre-recognize for something <laughs> people think yeah people are like oh breath work what is that like and 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 
why that is, is because breath is one of the only things within the system that is voluntary and involuntary, which means that, yes, we can actively learn how to control the breath, which is the energy, right? The fuel that gives us life. And, or we can completely forget about it and not ever once in our entire lifetimes think about breath and we're still going to breathe because it is something that just comes automatic, right? The body just does it. You know, you're not thinking about how to pump your heartbeat. It's just happening, right? You're not thinking about how to kind of work, work the internal systems of the body. It's just, it's just happening. But what people like, for example, Wim Hof or these other individuals are showing is that we can actually control what we thought wasn't controllable, right? And there's a few different, you know, world records or that he's set or that things that his, he's done in a scientific lab to prove that and to prove that not only can he do it, but anybody can do it, right? So one example is they injected him with this, uh, it's called an endotoxin or something like that, which is basically like a, a virus that's dead, but our body still has a reaction to it. Um, and so they, they, you know, something like close to Ebola or some so very intense virus, right? So they brought them to a lab and they went, okay, we're going to inject you with this, you know, and if you can control your autonomic nervous system, if you can control your immune defense and your immune system, then you won't have any symptoms that you can completely overcome this, which would be, you know, impossible for most people. Um, and so they injected him with, and, and he didn't have a single symptom and they went, holy, holy moly, that that's insane. But then they just played it off when they're in, oh, okay, you're, you must be a mutant. You must be superhuman in some way, shape, or form. And he said, no, it has nothing to do with me. It's just the system that I use, which is the understanding of breath, the understanding of learning how to tap in and to control these different systems within the body. You know, and um, so they, he said, you know, get a people of five, or a group of five or 10 people and give me, you know, five or 10 days and they'll pass the same test. I think they got like five people and within like three days, he was able to, you know, have all the people pass the same test. So it just shows us that we are way more capable than when, than we think we are. Um, and that we actually do have these abilities that are, you know, so-called outside of control. They're very much in our control, but it takes the practice. It takes the, you know, the intentional work of, of that's, they call it breath work for a reason. You know, it's not easy. A lot of people, it's like, it's not, it's not something that is just like, oh, okay, boom, let's do it. Like a lot of, you know, and we can go into this, but a lot of what comes through the breath work is very intense and very, 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 you know, powerful, but you know, a lot of things that come, yeah. Yeah, can be very intense, which I'm sure you, you maybe uh, experienced yourself. Yeah. So I was lucky enough for everyone listening to be a part of a few breathwork exercises and workshops um, with Bear. And every time it just leads you into, like when you go into the breathwork, you're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to breathe, you know, <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary. But once you get into the rhythm of the breath and the intensity of the breath, it takes you into a place that you actually didn't know was possible. Like when it first, when you do it for the first time, it's, you're kind of like overwhelmed. You're like, whoa, what's happening to me right now? Um, and your arms literally become paralyzed, which <laughs> Bear can talk about um, more. But yeah, it's just a really, really profound experience. And um, with that being said, Bear, I'd love for you to just elaborate on like the science of the breath work, like what's actually happening in the body, like when you put your when you put your body into this state, like using the breath. Yeah, absolutely. I love to touch on that. Um, 
What I'd love to do first is just before we go into that actual particular type of breathing that I've showed you and taught you and talk about the science of what's actually happening right there. I'd love to elaborate around just the, the overall general science of, of what breath work can do and how it can help us and the scientific yeah. understanding of that. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of different types of breath work, right? What I showed you or what I led you through is a particular practice that actually that I was never taught that I just kind of came to through experimentation. Now, no breathwork is ever new. If anyone ever says they own breathwork or they created breathwork, that's a bunch of BS. Breathwork, breathing has been around since the beginning of man. All the different types of ways to breathe has been, you know, probably taught in many different, you know, times throughout history. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways that we can breathe. But again, when you start to understand the power of breath, you can start to understand that breath is a literal key to help us to either deactivate or activate our nervous systems, right? And so when you think about the, the autonomic nervous system, we either at any point in time, we're either basically in the parasympathetic nervous system, which is like the, the deactivation, which is like the rest or digest. This is where our body's healing and where um, you know all the systems within our body are kind of in this recovery and this repair mode. Um, and or we could be more in the sympathetic nervous system, which is more the activated state. You know, a lot of people call this fight or flight, right? And I think fight or flight gets a bad rap because people think that it's a negative thing to be in fight or flight, which it isn't. You know, fight or flight is is very crucial for our survival of this, of, as a species and also for our ability to be human and to do everything from play soccer to public speak, you know, like the sympathetic nervous system is very needed. So when you start to understand that breath is the key to switch from an activated to a deactivated state, then you can start to understand the power that the breath work has, whether it's through the practice that I showed you, which is more around the activation and or whether it's through um, different types of breath work, which are very powerful. And so I'm going to just speak a little bit about this, and then we can go into very specifics of each one of the nervous systems and how they can be used. Yeah, um, but how, how the breath work actually works as a key is the breath will directly affect our heart rate variability. And our heart rate variability is not the amount of beats per you know minute, but actually how the heart is beating. beating. So if you look at, um, like, I can't remember what the... the, the uh, the machine is called but when you look at someone that's plugged in in the hospital and they have that that kind of spike and then there's like smaller spikes and it's like the heart rate monitor sort of the heart rate monitor yeah and so the heart rate monitor between the spikes which is the actual beat of the heart there's a lot of information those kind of small squiggly lines um and that information right there is basically the information that speaks to the body and is able to help us to either deactivate or activate these nervous systems. And so now through the advancement of technology, I could put a little monitor on your finger and I could have you breathe in a particular way. And the second that you switched your nervous systems over, it would ding, it would turn green. I'll be like, all right, you've switched. And so by understanding that the breath can control the heart rate variability and the heart rate variability is literally the switch that helps us to go back and forth. Now, being in one or the other isn't bad, right? If what is harmful is that if we stay in one or the other for long periods of time without knowing or without intentionally being able to kind of switch back and forth, then that can be harmful on our on our body. Um, there's a book called 
zebras don't get why zebras don't get ulcers. Um, and there's a, there's a talk. I'll send you the link after this so you can share it with others. But where the author, he speaks for about an hour and a half um, about this, all this, what I'm speaking about, which is just the nervous systems and, and the harmful effects of staying in our, um, in our sympathetic system. And so for the society that we live in, majority of people are basically being kind of living their lives in the sympathetic state. And when you start to understand why our bodies have these nervous systems, then it helps you to better understand why people are getting stuck in those systems. But basically the sympathetic nervous system or this activation or this fight or flight is there for our survival. Like as you know, hunter gathers when we're walking through the bush, if we hear something in the bushes, we don't know what that is. That could be a lion or it could be a possum, like who knows? But if it is a lion, we have to be ready within milliseconds to be able to either fight the lion or flee for our lives. And therefore, this is where the sympathetic nervous system comes into play, which is basically the activation. Within seconds, what's happening in the body is our eyes are dilating so we can have better vision. Our, our veins are dilating so we can have more blood flow to the muscles. Our muscles are ramping up and getting ready for this, you know, this activity, right? And then there's a lot of different you know, adrenaline and cortisol. There's a lot of different neurochemicals that are being released so that we can you know, overcome maybe any pain that might come our way so we can really be in the state of activation and be able to deal with whatever's, you know, there at hand. Now, what happens is that we don't have those existential threats anymore in our society. We don't have lions in the jungle that are looking to eat us. But what we do have is we have people saying, hey, you kind of look a little bigger than the last time I saw you. Or we have people cutting ourselves in traffic, or we have, you know, family members saying, hey, why can't you do this? Or why can't you do that? So what's happening is that we're being triggered into this sympathetic state consistently and we're kind of living our life there. So we're always on edge. We're always activated because of the overstimulated kind of uh, society that we live in. We're already getting, you know, team, we're getting texts, we're getting advertisements. Or, there's just so much happening that we're constantly kind of stuck in this stressed state in a sense or this activated state, which isn't necessarily stressed. It's just the body is activated and we're never really allowing ourselves to deactivate to really slow down and to switch our nervous systems over. And so a majority of us are living in this activated state and are never having the ability to really downregulate and to be able to really fall because it's not until we actually switch the nervous systems over that any healing will happen, right? It's like, you can imagine there's like thousands of little cells and trillions of little cells, worker cells in the body. And when we're in our parasympathetic state, they're, they're doing all the work, you know, they're rebuilding the, the empire in a sense. But the moment that that alarm goes off and goes, bramp, 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 and okay, we're dropping into the activated, you know, the sympathetic system, then they all kind of get their weapons and go into the battle stations. But then there's not really a real threat. So they're kind of like stuck in these battle stations and then they just kind of are always there and they're not going back to work and doing the actual healing that needs to be done. So I'm delivering all this in a way that, you know, people may be grasping it, maybe not. I'll send over all the information to yeah. You know, from professional professionals that have spent their life on this. But what I'm helping people do is I'm helping people to understand how to control the physiology within the body, which will probably be one of the most powerful things that you can do for, um, you know, your health and, and for your, your current reality. And so by helping people to understand how do we activate and how do we deactivate and how do we switch from, you know, one nervous system to the next, then what we can do is we can really learn how to take control um, of our evolution, of our healing, and of our of our lives. Now, with that being said, 
there's particular types of breath work that can be very powerful. And so now if you want, I can go a little bit more into like what we're doing with the, some of the stuff that I showed and taught to you and helped you to experience. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of just kind of, kind of just walking you through what that looks like, obviously not taking them on this experience, right. but just kind of explaining right. like what's happening absolutely. from start to finish. And so before that, I think uh, well, I want to mention one more thing because I think the activation of our nervous systems or of our sympathetic system and what it's going to bring, which I'll share with you in a minute, is very crucial, very important, very um, powerful. But I think if I were to be able to just give one thing to the people listening, it would be this. Majority of people are in the kind of epidemic right now of anxiety, right? A lot of people are on a consistently living in these anxious states or whether it's anxiety or depression or whatever that may be right and so they're finding themselves in these states of anxiety which is basically being if you think about what anxiety is anxiety is a crucial part of our survival as, as well like anxiety is like the prerequisite is like the the pre you know um cursor to the sympathetic state um and so what happens is that people kind of get stuck in these anxiety you know ridden states and they don't know how to get out of that and one very powerful thing for someone to understand is that when you look at the breath, the breath has kind of like what you can imagine. There's four corners of the breath, they say, right? There's the inhale, the hold, the exhale, and the hold, right? Now, for example, I could play with the ratio of that breath. So an even ratio would be four seconds in, four seconds hold four seconds out, four seconds hold, right? That would be an even ratio of this kind of box or these four corners of the breath. When you look at the breath, you start to understand, and the nervous systems, you start to understand that two things. One, if you're breathing through your mouth, then you're in a state of activating the, the sympathetic nervous system. So if you want to deactivate, if you want to deal with anxiety or you want to be able to kind of drop more into this healing state, um, don't breathe through your mouth shut your mouth and breathe through your nose, right? So now if we're breathing through our nose and the idea is to deactivate or to kind of deal with anxiety or whatever it is we're dealing with in the moment, we shut our mouth and we just breathe through the nose. Now what you can do is you can start to count your breath, right? Which means if I count four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold, all through my nose, then I'll start to really slow. And what I'm doing there is I'm changing the heart rate of everybody. But if you really want to be able to deactivate, what you want to understand is that at any point in time, if you're breathing out for a longer period than you're breathing in, then you're signaling to the body that you're okay. And if you think about that, that makes sense. If I'm running from a lion, I'm not going to be able to actively or intentionally breathe out for more than I'm breathing in. If you look at anyone that's stressed or panicked or in any distress whatsoever, their breath is going to be a little bit more, you know, intense, frequent, and it'll always be a longer inhale than an exhale, if not even, right? But it'll never be a, a longer exhale. And so by understanding that, all we have to do, and you can play with this ratio, like I said, four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold, that's one. But what you can do is you can, for example, go four seconds in the nose, six seconds hold, and eight seconds out the nose, and then two seconds hold at the bottom. Right? What we're doing there is we're breathing out for twice as long as we're breathing in. And what that does after just a minute or two is that'll change your heart rate variability. 
And what that will do is that will switch your nervous systems over. Now, here's the key. A lot of people are like, okay, great. You can show me how to switch my nervous systems over to drop into rest or digest. But all it takes to drop us back into the sympathetic is a single thought. So I could like, you could be stressed out and, oh my God, bear, I'm freaking out. And okay, lay down, sit down, cover, you know, relax, start to breathe this way, boom, okay. And then, like I said, I could put a, a biofeedback where like within minutes, it'll be ding, okay, you've switched over. Great, that's amazing. But all it takes is like for you to stand up and then have that thought again about how you don't have enough money to pay rent and you've been dropped right back into the sympathetic nervous system. So the idea is not how do we switch over but how do we stay there and that's a whole nother conversation but i think that leads us into what i'm about to talk about which is learning to activate the sympathetic nervous system to build resilience which i'll go into but if i were to just give one thing to people if you're feeling stressed or anxious or you're dealing with anxiety or depression or any of these things sit down Put some headphones on, play some binarial beats. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Relax and start to count your breath. Four seconds in, six seconds hold, eight seconds out. Right? Do that for a few minutes and you will have switched the nervous systems over. And if even if it's just for a brief period of time, you'll give your body a you know, a a break from being stuck in that sympathetic system, which is very detrimental over a long period of time. Um, by understanding what's happening in the physiology when we are stuck in that state. So with that being said, with that being said, what I'll do is, is I'll now drop into what, what I um, kind of showed you and the, the practices that I teach people as well, which have many layers to it. And I won't go into speaking about all the layers today, but um, I'll for now just speak a little bit about the science and what's happening in the body when we are breathing in this particular way and we're having this particular experience. So what I share with people is, is um, an ability to drop back and forth. If you, if you notice when we did the, the session, I, I led you guys through kind of a meditation first and we breathed in the particular way that I just shared. So what, what I did is I, we, we dropped you into the parasympathetic nervous system. We really had you drop in and relax. We did some yoga nidra. We had you set some intentions, right? We really kind of dropped you into this very calm, relaxing state. And then we did the opposite. We showed you a particular way to breathe to activate the sympathetic nervous system. So a lot of people are like, well, wait, uh, isn't the sympathetic nervous system bad? No, not at all. The nervous system or the sympathetic nervous system is crucial for our not only survival, but for our thriving, right? Any type of performance in any way, shape, or form, even right now with me on the phone, but like say if you're an athlete or if you're a public speaker, if you're a salesman, it doesn't matter. If you are doing any type of performance, you're most likely going to be activating the sympathetic nervous system because you want to be activated. You want to be in this state of activation so that you can perform at the you know top level. And so by understanding that the sympathetic nervous system is actually key for us to thrive, but what happens is that when we drop people into the sympathetic nervous system, when we activate the system, what's happening is a lot of trauma is, whether that's transgenerational trauma, or whether that's epigenetic coding that's been passed down through generations and stored within your body, and or just the societal programming that's been programmed over to your lifetime, whether it's you know from the ages of you know birth until seven, which is where we're most kind of um, available for the deepest programming to happen, and or just continuing forward through social media, through a, 
a lot of our lifestyle these days. We're consistently being fed these particular things, these stories that we're being sold in a sense, right? And so what happens is when we activate the system, we open ourselves up and a lot of clearing or cleansing happens. So I'm sure you've experienced this firsthand in the session, but people cry their eyes out. People scream, people yell, people laugh. (laughs) Right? People have these dramatic, very intense experiences. And the reason for that is because they're releasing things that have been stored in their body, not only for their life, but maybe for generations, right? And so the sympathetic system, what's, what's happening is that you're using breath, the most essential need for a human being to survive. You're increasing the energetic flow of this life force energy. In India, they call it prana. In Hawaiian, they call it mana, right? All these indigenous cultures, they had an understanding that there was a life force energy, an underlying life force energy that basically fed, you know, all life on earth. And so that life force energy that is around us is available in the air that we breathe. And when we start to intensify the breath and we use the breath to activate the nervous system and to flush the system, what's happening is we're starting to release and clear a lot of things that have been stored in our body. Right? You can imagine like, a, you can call it maybe like a basement or a hallway, let's say a basement, right? So we have this basement within ourselves and we store all of our trauma in this basement, right? And sometimes the trauma starts to bubble up at times. Oh, no, I don't have time for that with this high-paced society and with this fast-paced life. I I can't deal with that right now. I'm in the middle of work, blah, blah, blah. So we push that down, push that down, and we don't deal with it. Eventually, what happens is our basement starts to overflow, right? And what happens from there is we start to experience symptoms that come in the form of anxiety or depression or chronic um, ailments, rashes, um, autoimmune disease, a lot of these things, right? If they are chronic issues, they're coming from a very deeper place. And you go to the Western medicine and you go to the doctor and say, Hey, I got this rash, you know, it's this chronic rash. I keep getting eczema or whatever it may be. And they go, okay, perfect. I got a, I got a cream for that. Take these pills, come back in two weeks. But never once do they ask you why, why do you have a rash? Why do you have a chronic eczema? Why do you have a, like they, they don't, ever address that and what this is doing is it's going okay let's lay down let's use the most potent thing in our life which is breath let's intensify the breath and let's see what comes up and i promise you what will come up is is what's been stored in the body and i see drastic drastic healing people whether it's clearing themselves of these crazy ailments um, or just coming to these you know realizations where they'll never be the same again and so what we're doing is we're activating the system. We're using the most life, you know, the, the most potent life force energy that we have, you know, at our, at our fingertips or at our you know, breath, at our tongue tip. And we're using that to clear and to clean the system. Now, for most people that do this from the beginning, it can be a very intense experience. And not for everyone. Breathwork isn't for everyone. Some people lay down there, oh, that was cool. I have a headache now, but I didn't really experience anything. And so it really depends on the openness of the individual. And that's what I saw. Like people that don't really have much of an experience don't really give it much like effort in the breath work. It's called breath work, right? You have to like work for it. Yeah. Um, a bit of surrender as well. Like, because it's exactly. uncomfortable, like it's extremely uncomfortable, especially if you've never done it before. So I think it's really about surrendering and then you can tap into that state that you're speaking about. Absolutely. So it is, and it's all about surrender, you know, and I'm sure I spoke about this to you before we did it, but it's just like, okay, we're going to lay down, we're going to breathe. 
you know, we're going to have kind of one or three levels of resistance that arise. Anything in your experience will kind of fit under one of these three things. And, um, and then we'll just kind of see if we can remove ourselves from our, you know, our kind of egoic mind. And can we just simply observe? And can we just observe the thoughts that are coming up? Can we observe the physical sensations like the hands being paralyzed or the, you know, the hands cramping up or whatever that may be, or the emotions? Can we observe the emotions come up and can we release and let those things and let those things go? So in the beginning, the breathwork is really about cleansing. It's really about clearing and it's really about learning to kind of really flush the system. But eventually, once you create a practice out of it, what comes next is very powerful and very, I think, beautiful, which is by activating the sympathetic nervous system, what we're doing is we're, we're literally recreating what most people are most afraid of, which is like when you look at someone have a panic attack, right? They basically start hyperventilating like, <gasps> and, they, and they really simulate a lot of the types of breathing that different types of breath work teach. So we're almost activating the sympathetic system. We're bringing people into these increased states of activation where usually they'd call it a panic attack but eventually once you start to clear a lot of the programming a lot of epigenetic programming a lot of the different things you realize that what we were actually doing here now is we're starting to build resilience and so i call it building the buffer but basically what this looks like or what's happening here is we're activating the nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system. And it's same like, let's say the martial arts that I do, right? I go into the gym and I torture myself for three hours every day. I put myself through hell so that when I actually step into the ring and it's time to go through hell, it's like, oh, I've been here before. There's nothing that person across the ring can do for me that I haven't done voluntarily to myself day after day. And so what's happening here is with the activation of the sympathetic nervous system, which is putting ourselves into fight or flight on a regular basis, right? But in a way that we're in control, then what we're doing is we're putting ourselves into these situations of seeing a lion, for example, and we're building resilience, right? Because what happens is like, there's this beautiful, um, thing on netflix around they call it explained but there's one around the brain and there's one around anxiety and there's something that they say in this that's that's very powerful but they say anxiety can't ever be cured it can only be managed which means anxiety isn't something that you cure yourself of anxiety is a crucial part of your experience if you weren't anxious if you didn't have anxiety at all you probably wouldn't be alive and your ancestors wouldn't be alive right like anxiety is like the the kind of alert system that tells us there might not be something right on the outside, right? And so it's very crucial for our survival and for our existence. And it's also very crucial for our thriving. But what happens is it's like people get stuck in this state and they don't know how to switch it off. So switching it on, what it does is, and they say this is a technique for, uh, for the professionals in this realm that deal with people that have extreme cases of anxiety is they almost simulate like worst case scenario and what happens is people realize that at their very worst of their anxiety attack it's not actually that bad like they're not going to die they're they're like they're okay and so it's kind of like pushing yourself to this extremity consistently to realize that you are so much more powerful than you would ever believe yourself to be and where I called it building the buffer is what, what happens is we start to build a buffer, right, between 
a reaction and a response. And so I'll go into this maybe in a minute and talking about um, like where this buffer lies on this particular kind of outline or the structure that I'll talk about. But what happens is we start to increase this buffer to where when we are hit with external stimuli in our experience, whether it's now, you know, let's say, for example, I didn't know any of this before. I didn't have any practice. And, and my mom would come up to me and say, you know, man, I really like wish you had a better job. And then boom, all of a sudden, like that triggers me into this anxiety. Oh my God, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I don't have a good job. You know, what am I going to do? And then I get stuck in this anxious state. And then all of a sudden my physiology changes and this is, you know, really killing me you know, slowly over the long term with what's happening in the body. But now let's say I have an understanding of all this. And now my mom comes up to me and she says, hey, I really wish you'd get a better job. And then all of a sudden, boom, instead of directly really reacting and going into this you know, sympathetic state and being stuck here, I have the ability to build a buffer to have a response rather than a reaction, right? There's a big difference between a reaction and a response. And when I'm able to consciously respond to something, then I can maybe say, you know what? I really love my mother. And I don't, I think that probably comes from the fact that she never had the job of her dreams. And so maybe that's just a story that she's telling herself and now expectations she's putting on me and therefore stressing me out and where I'm at in my path because of her story that she's, you know, been living with. And so none of that's true by any, by any, any example. My mother's a beautiful <laughs> person. But I'm just giving an example of, of basically how this buffer can be created. So to kind of, I know I might be all over the place here, but to bring it back around, when we activate our sympathetic nervous system voluntarily on a regular basis, what we see is not only that we activate the system, that we see that we build resilience and we start to create a buffer over the long term. And that buffer gives us the ability to not react to the outside stimulus of the world, but to simply respond to the outside stimulus of the world and to come to the realization that we are so much more powerful than we were ever led to believe. And the breath is one of the most powerful tools that we can use to thrive in life. And um, yeah, so, so now if you, if you want, I can kind of go into this, this framework that I spoke about and this buffer that I spoke about and where it lies in that framework. Yeah, absolutely. Everything you're sharing is so incredible. I'm sure people are wanting to pause and take a million notes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would love for you to share more of that framework and kind of what that looks like this is amazing cool. so, so so people come to me on a regular basis and they say well you know what is breath work and i'll go oh, it's your ability to kind of control the energy obviously i don't have uh, people ask me that what is breath work and i say how much time do you have <laughs> um but basically the easiest way i'm to explain it to people which i'll do to you to, to, to you and the, the listeners now is is when you look at your reality right so people say well how does breath work change your life how does it change your reality well i go okay well let's start with your reality I go, okay, what is your reality? And they say, well, what do you mean? So like, what makes your reality what it is? And they go, oh, I don't know. And I said, well, it's your actions, right? And they go, oh yeah. So like, you know, how you act in this world and actively literally creates your reality. And where do your actions come from? I ask them and they go, well, I don't know. And I said, well, your actions come from your behavior, correct? And they say, yeah, okay. My actions come from behavior. I get that. And then I said, well, where does your behavior come from? And they go, well, I don't know. And I go, well, your behavior comes from how you feel, correct? And I go, okay, yeah, I, I get that. You know, how I'm feeling in the moment is, is directly affecting my behavior, which then affects my actions, which then creates my reality. And I go, well, where, 
do your feelings come from? And they go, well, I don't know. And I go, well, what is a feeling? And a feeling is the interpretation of energy in the body, right? Now, this can be argued in this. I'm just giving you a framework to think about, and, and a lot of people can argue this in different ways. But, but the, the feeling that you have, right, is an interpretation of energy in, the motion, in motion in the body. So an emotion, an emotion, literally energy in motion, is the energy that, that is in motion in the body. Now, the way that we perceive that energy, right, creates a feeling. For example, right, I could have an energy, I could have an energy in motion in the stomach, right? I could have a particular energy in the stomach, right? And, and we could both have the same thing happening. And I could perceive that energy in motion or the, um, that emotion, I could perceive it as fear, but you could perceive it as excitement, right? Depending on our past, right? Maybe we're about to like jump into a, a mixed martial arts ring and you've been there before and you're like, well, I'm excited. Wow, this, this butterflies in my stomach is, is exciting. When I've never done it before. So then all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I'm so scared, right? And this is all of a sudden this energy in motion is now perceived as the feeling of fear rather than excitement. And so a feeling is the interpretation of energy and motion in the body, right? Or emotion, right? And what is emotion? What is energy and motion but the byproduct or the happening of our physiology, right? Like what is butterflies? Butterflies is literally a, you know, an uncovering or an unfolding of a particular, you know, uh, activity of the physiology of the body, right? Or the feeling, I won't go into it, but basically you can understand that at the basis of our reality is our physiology, right? And so some people can argue that uh, that free will is is not a thing because we're actually just consistently, you know, reacting to the physiology. I, I don't agree with that directly, but basically what I'm getting at is as the basis of your reality is your physiology, right? From your physiology is created the emotion or the energy and motion of the body. Then that energy and motion in the body is perceived in a particular way and creates a feeling. That feeling is then understood and acted upon, which then creates your behavior. From your behavior comes your actions, and from your actions comes your current reality. Now, after saying all this, what I'm getting at is breath work is the key to shift your physiology, right? So all of a sudden, if I handed you this key and I go, okay, here you go. This is a way to change your breathwork is one of the many ways to change your physiology. But one is breathwork is the one of the most powerful ways to change your physiology. Physiology is the activity of these, you know, different systems in the body. And so, for example, heart rate variability or these other things are are your actual physiology. So when we change our physiology, right, we change the energy that's happening. We change the energy and motion in the body, and then. A beautiful thing is the power to perceive. That's where like literally all the power comes from is like we could both go through the same situation, but you could come out on top and be like president of the United States because of your childhood and how much of a struggle it was. And I could be like a drug addict in a dumpster because of the same childhood. And so the power comes in perception. And the perception is in the is in the ability to perceive, and this is where the mind-body connection comes in. The ability to perceive right? The matter or the body, what's happening in the body, the physiology, the energy, emotion. And we choose how to perceive that. And in that perception, we create a feeling which then creates our behavior, which then creates our actions and changes our reality. 
And so people ask me, well, how does breathwork change reality? Well, it is the most powerful and potent key that we know of thus far to change your physiology, which then changes your reality through that particular process. Now, the buffer that I spoke about comes in in that sense of perception, right? Right. So someone could walk up to me on the street and could slap me across my face. And being a male, my automatic reaction would usually be to either attack that individual, right, or to 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 or run or or something of the matter. Um, and so usually I would drop right into the reaction. But now, because of the work that I've done, because I've activated my sympathetic nervous system every single morning, day after day for years, if someone were to come up and slap me on the street, to be completely honest, my reaction would probably be like, are you okay? Like, do you need a hug? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. is everything all right? Can I, can I help you? Like, or, like, if some stranger just came up and slapped me on the street, like, did you mistake who I was? Like, there wouldn't just be this reaction, which I used to be like that. Right? I used to be a very, very different person, very violent person, a very, very, very different person. And I didn't have the buffer. The buffer just didn't exist. But now it's like I have this buffer. So whether it's someone, that's a bit of an extreme example, whether it's someone slapping me in the street or whether it's someone, you know, denying me of a job interview or whatever that may be, any outside stimulus, right, is going to be able to be perceived in the way that you want to perceive it for your betterment and for your involvement of your highest self. Right. So if someone, if you go to in a job interview and someone says, you know what, you're not qualified. Why did you even come in here? Like you could react and be like, you know what, F you, like, you, you know, you don't know me, blah, 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 and walk out. And, or if you have a buffer and if you've activated the nervous system, sympathetic nervous system consistently, because that, that denial of that job could drop you into the sympathetic system because it has direct effect on your ability to eat, to survive. And so all of a sudden they deny you of this job interview and you're like dropped into the sympathetic system and straight into a reaction of like, hey, screw you, blah, blah, blah. And or because you've activated the sympathetic system so much, he says, hey, you know what? You're not qualified for this job. Why are you even here? You have that buffer to go, what? you know what? Thank you for your time, good sir. I appreciate your time. I'm going to leave now. And as you walk out the door, you can go, you know what? That wasn't destined for me. You know, I'm glad I didn't get this job because I'm now going to, you know, apply for a different job that is actually what I'm supposed to be doing, blah, blah, blah. And so in that power of perception, my entire reality changes, right? And so it's, this is, like I said, this is a lot of information. A lot of people are probably just like kind of a little bit frazzled at the moment, but to bring it back around, to bring it back around, breath work is the most powerful tool that we have to change our nervous systems back and forth, right? And on the the sympathetic side, when we activate our sympathetic on a regular basis, we build resilience within the body to then build the buffer to better respond to outside stimulus rather than react. And therefore, when we step into life with this buffer, we are consistently able to make decisions or perceive our reality for the betterment of our highest good so that we can consistently, right? create our story. I wrote a, an Instagram post today and the beginning of the Instagram post said, if you aren't actively creating your story, then you are adopting the story that you've been sold. And society sells this, this story again and again of what it means to be a man or a woman, what it means to be successful, what we should have at a particular age or who we should be or who we should date. And it's just like we're bombarded with these stories that we eventually start to tell ourselves and we mistake them as our stories. And we forget that we hold the pen 
And that not only do we actively create our story, but we can actually go back in chapters and rewrite the story, which is comes back to the idea of perception, right? We could be telling ourselves the story and playing the victim because we either, we know we're either the victim of our story or the hero in a sense. So we could be like, well, my dad abused me when I was young and that's why I'm a drug addict and that's why I'm this and that's why I'm And all these examples aren't real. My dad did not abuse me just to put it out there. But but basically what I'm saying is that we could have been telling ourselves the story our entire life. And that could be, you know, really directly affecting our reality to a great extent. But all of a sudden we could have this realization, maybe through breath work, we could wake up and be like, holy crap. My dad's abuse came from him being abused, which then came from his father being abused. This is a transgenerational pain and trauma that has been passed down through generations. And I'm just the next in line. But you know what? It stops with me because I realized I see in my, I want to swear so bad right now because I'm really getting passionate, but I see in my hand, right? That I hold the effing pen and that it stops with me. That no longer am I going to tell this story about lack or about how I am this way because of my father abusing me. No, I'm going to go back in the chapters to when I was five years old and I'm going to rewrite that chapter. And a lot of the work that I do outside of the breath work is doing this with people. It's literally through different you know, techniques, through hypnosis and through taking people back to these pivotal moments in their life where they had began to write the story of they weren't enough or that they weren't worthy or that they couldn't be loved or whatever this may be. And I have them directly rewrite their story in that moment and it changes their entire life. And it is so powerful to see this happen. And it can happen in breathwork, but it can also happen outside of breathwork, right? Breathwork is a a tool, but there's many, many tools out there that can be used to, I think, enhance our lives and to better our lives. The rewriting of the story is... I feel like one of the most powerful exercises you can do. And I've talked about this in previous episodes, but I think with breath work, it's when you're, oh, I don't know how to re- rewrite my story. I don't know how to do this. I feel like breath work helps illuminate that, like illuminate what's going on, illuminate that transgenerational right. trauma and yes. be like, oh, you know, because some things come up during breath work that you had actually no idea that resided inside of you. And then then that illuminates that path. Like, okay, this is what I need to fix. This is what I need to rewrite. And that's what's so powerful in doing the breath work because it brings you to that state of awareness. You're so on point with that. You're so on point. Yeah. And people like, people have experiences. They didn't even know that they were carrying this particular trauma, right? And a lot of it's, to be completely honest, a lot of it's transgenerational, which means like people are carrying trauma. And if you don't understand this, study epigenetics and this will, directly proves scientifically how trauma gets passed down from generation to generation and how trauma can even skip generations, which means your grandparents' trauma could have skipped your grand, uh, your parents and went directly to you. And there's a book called, it didn't start with us, I think, or it didn't start with you. I think is the name of the yeah, book. I'm reading and they talk about yeah. this. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Wow. What, what do you know? Yeah. So I, I, I love that book and it just helps people to understand, okay, like, and not to like, okay, don't start telling yourself the story. Don't, that doesn't mean play the victim. I'm like, oh, I have all this trauma that my gener- you know, that I've been passed down. Yeah, that might be true, but like, that doesn't give you, like, that doesn't mean to just play the victim to lay down and just to just take it. Okay, perfect. Like, whether it's through breathwork or reading this book or whether it's you already know or even just kind of exploring, you know, through meditation or whatever it is, it's like once you figure out what's been passed down, which you probably kind of already kind of inherently know, how do I do the work to start to clear and cleanse this? Breathwork is one of those tools. Yes, it can shine the light and it can also help you release 
which means lay there and cry your eyes out or scream or do whatever you have to do in the moment. Um, but the idea is like, okay, now that I'm shown what needs to, you know, now that I am past the place of ignorance, right? Because they say ignorance is bliss. I'm like, no, ignorance is just ignorance, right? Bliss is the ability to recognize what needs to be done and having, you know, the, the ability to be able to step in and to do that work and to be able to clear yourself a lot of, of what's holding you back because that's what people don't understand. People like you are infinitely the, like your infinite power. And the only thing that's stopping you from living your fullest potential is the story you tell yourself. Right. And the different things that have been passed down and the stories, not only that you tell yourself, but the stories that have been encoded within you. It's like, we have the ability to just get out of our own way. And the moment we get out of our own way and just start to allow ourselves to enjoy the unfolding of life, like the universe is, is you're the beneficiary to the universe. Life is happening for you, not against you. Right. And when we switch that simple perspective and we start to realize that, then we just, I mean, I'm sure you know this as well as I, like life just starts handing you the most beautiful things. Right. And you're just like, wow, all of a sudden I'm just like financially abundant. All of a sudden I'm like, have the love of my life. All of a sudden I'm like in this dream job and I'm like literally living a life that I could have never even designed from, you know, and all it took was just getting out of my own way. Yeah, I think that was so my experience. You're talking about this because uh episode two that I did on my podcast, we talked all about like ancestral trauma and epigenetics and like the spiritual healing of like a more holistic approach to healing anxiety and depression. And a lot of people had messaged me following the episode, like, oh, how do I find a healer? How do I do this? How do I do that? And yeah, I think this episode kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about in the previous episode is like breath work is one of those tools that you literally, it's a free tool. Your breath is a free tool that <laughs> bring you to the most transcendental and transformative experience of your life. And it all is just mm-hmm. with your breath. I'd love to, to touch on that for a second because you just said something that really, um, that I would love to speak on because I, I get this a lot too, especially with the work that I do. But you, you said, how do I find, you said people reach out and they say, how do I, how do I find a healer? And the understanding that no doctor on the planet, no healer, no shaman, nobody outside of yourself can ever heal you. That is a complete illusion, right? All that can happen is that person, that shaman, that healer, that doctor can create the space for the healing to happen, right? Yeah. And so it's like, I'm not saying taking away from people that are looking for guidance, looking for healers, looking for shamans, but people put like, I get really frustrated because people put the power on me. They're like, Oh my God, you're so no, I'm a human being. I have no special abilities. I'm no better than anyone else on earth. The only thing is I realize is that if I make the space for healing to happen, that the healing is going to happen, but you did the work, right? Like after the breath work, people are like, Oh my God, thank you so much. And I'm like, dude, I didn't even do anything, but just like sit here. Right. (laughs) Like you breathed, you created the challenge, you overcame the challenge, you did the healing, you saw the trauma, you let it go, you released, you healed, like you did everything. Stop. And it's just like one thing I could tell people is like, stop putting your power on other people, right? Own your power. Realize that you are the powerful one, that you are the, you know, any healing that has ever happened in any human's life was never outside of themselves. Even if someone like touched you and healed you, all they did is they touched you and they created the environment for the healing to happen within because healing isn't something that happens from outside. 
It is an internal process that happens. And so the healing that happens is something that, you know, whether you need a healer that creates that space, which I totally recommend doing. I'm not saying that, you know, all healers aren't very beneficial to the planet. I'm just saying that putting the power on the healer, like, oh my God, they're, they're so powerful. There's, you know, they have this gift. No, they're just a human being that understands the fundamental laws of the universe and how it works. And they just create the space so that you can feel safe enough for that internal healing to happen. Right. Yeah. And so it's just like, create that space, create that space and own your power and realize that no one outside yourself will ever heal you. No one outside yourself will ever give you, you know, the dream life that you want. Like it's a scary thing, but like have like own that and know that you're responsible for your reality. If you want to be successful, then that's up to you, right? If you want to be loved, that's enough up to you. If you want to be healthy and happy, that's up to you. You know, like no one outside yourself can ever give you. And if they somehow give you this success or this love, it's not going to last long if it isn't something that is, you know, it is not sustainable unless it is something that is created from within. And I think that's a whole other podcast to have around relationships and around the ability, you know, to, to really step into relationships in a healthy way. But we don't have to go there. Yeah, <laughs> we'll save that for part two. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really happy that you emphasize that just because I feel like oftentimes when people get to this desperate state of wanting to heal or wanting to overcome themselves, they kind of seek for outer help, like hoping that God or that some magical person is going to step into their life and, and change their life. And as they may be a catalyst to help that transformation, like ultimately it's all within you. I think I said in this episode, the previous episode about the ancestral trauma is that you are the reason for your suffering, but you're also the solution to your suffering. Um, and that's where like, implement- I love that. yeah. And that's where implementing these incredible tools that we have, whether it's breath work or movement or yoga or ice baths or whatever that is, like, those are the things that are healing us. And that's why it's called, as you said so many times, breath work, it's work, it's right. uncomfortable, it's hard. Um, but it's so worth it because the, the profound realizations and transformation that's experienced within it is obviously life-changing. Absolutely. And it's worth every breath. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth every step, every struggle, you know, it's like, yeah, do the work um, and have faith, have trust that, you know, you're exactly what you need to do. Yeah, that's like, yeah, amazing. Could you bear elaborate on um, just for everyone? So, if someone's listening to this and is like, "Oh my gosh, this is what I need—the breath work. I I want to get into this. I want to dive into this." Is there anything that you would say to be cautious of when doing breath work for beginners, or like what? Is there anything you know that they should be aware of that's going to happen? Like the pair, like the lobster arms. Like, can you elaborate yeah. on that? Because <laughs> some people might be a little caught off guard when that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a great question. Thank you for asking this question because I think this is important, especially for some people that do hold a particular large amount of trauma within the body or these different things, right? So the first thing I understand is I, I won't go directly into the like the tet what was what we call the tetany, which is the lobster arms of the, of the zombie hand stuff, because because that would kind of make that would imply that I have to kind of talk about the entire process, which I'm I'm able I'm a, I'm willing to do it another time but basically to answer your question i think the number one thing is if you do want to do one of these sessions that we're talking about which is the extreme activation of our sympathetic system for the release of these trauma things 
don't do it alone at first, right? Do it with like, you wouldn't just do ayahuasca by yourself for the first time, right? Like you're going to have someone to guide you through that. So like, if you're listening to this and you want to do this, like, you, yes, you can reach out to me. Obviously, I would love to help you. I do these sessions via, you know, FaceTime, Skype. I do them all over the world, blah, blah, blah. But find someone to lead you through an experience. Don't just dive in right away. Yes, you can. I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying it's not recommended. And so I would say breathwork is, comes in many shapes and sizes. If you want to start with breathwork, perfect. Start to do some pranayama. Start to do some breathing exercises, some yoga stuff. Like, do, like get yourself like into that. But if you want to have one of these experiences that we're talking about directly, which will kind of create the space where maybe the zombie arms or the lobster arms come, don't do it by yourself. Do it at first with someone, right? So like what I do is like, I'll offer someone an opportunity to do a private session and like for the rest of their life, they have that. But at least just once get guided through the experience, right? And then from there, you can you can really create a practice of your own. And that's what I tell people, like one session with me or with, with whoever you're doing it with, and it's like investing for the rest of your life because you'll always have that. I'm, I'm not trying to get people to come back to me on a consistent basis. That's not what I want. I want to teach you this once and I want you to have it for the rest of your life. And I want you to create a practice out of it so that you can implement for the rest of your life and so that you can raise yourself to a higher vibration so you can step out into the world and actually start to serve the world. So you can clear yourself of the trauma and the anxiety and the depression. And you can actually do what you're meant to be doing here, which is how do you, how are you going to be of service to the greater whole, to all of not only humanity, but to all of life on earth. So to answer your question, I would say if you're going to... Breathwork itself is very broad. Like I said, you can start breathwork on your own. You, know, you can find some stuff online or do some, you know, they have meditation apps, all that kind of stuff. If you want to go deep and do like an, an experience that we're speaking about, do it, do it with something that can hold that space and guide you through it at first. Um, and then from there, you can experiment and explore. Um, so I, I do private sessions with people. I also just started um, a month-long breathwork challenge, which is obviously almost halfway through the month now but that was a space that i was able to really hold um and open people up to be able to learn more and and also kind of cautiously urge them and and, and lead them into some of the things and also create a safe space for them to share and ask questions like oh my god like i experienced this is that okay or like what should i do like there's just you want support in the beginning when you're going to go into this world of breath work on the on the activating of the sympathetic system to the extremity that it can be activated and and what comes with that um and so to again to answer your question one i would highly recommend doing it at least just once with someone to guide you through it and that can be holotropic breathing which is you know um, coined by stanislav Graf, and there's many holotropic teachers throughout the world that's similar what i teach um is doesn't exist anywhere else because i i basically learned holotropic and Wim Hof and I learned from all these different people. And then I created a practice, um, that, that you kind of, um, understood, which has a lot more to do with like the gears of the breath and a lot of these different things. Um, and so I would say, make sure that you get in a space where you're held and you're safe to be guided through it. If you're going to go to this extreme. And then second, if you do do it just once and you have the ability, never, ever, ever do this near water. Um, a lot of things that will happen and this like I, I won't spend too long on this but basically what happens in the breath work whether you're doing whatever type of breath work you're doing is you start to have the ability maybe to hold your breath longer or, or you, you start to get into 
introduced to cold immersion and ice baths and stuff. Um, all this is very beneficial and beautiful stuff, but don't ever do it alone because what happens is when you start to activate and when you start to breathe in this particular way, um, it can be very dangerous to be near water because you can, you can pass out. And, and there's been quite a few people that have drowned and died um, doing this, like whether they're doing the particular breathing and then doing underwater breath holds or whether they're just in, in cold water and doing the breathing and then they just, then they're alone and they go unconscious. Um, so it's, it's, I think my number one thing was to be, if you're going to do this for the first time, make sure you do it with someone that's trained and that can, you know, can, can guide you safely through it. Number two, you know, cause there is other things that need to be aware of and, and there is things that, you know, can be unleashed and triggered within the human experience that if you're not doing it with a trained professional, it could be more harmful than beneficial. Um, just like ayahuasca, just like other, you know, extremities. Um, within this different tools, you know, plant medicine is one tool, breathwork is one tool, hypnotherapy is another tool. There's a lot of different tools that we can use, but you want to use those tools at first. You know, if someone just like gave you a chainsaw and never showed you how to use it, that wouldn't be that safe, right? Like you want to take a tool and then learn how to use it safely and then start to implement it and use that in your life. So number one is make sure that you're doing it in a safe way with someone that's trained. And that can help you really understand the tool and help you learn how to use the tool. And then second is once you do have the tool in your grasp and you're, you know, you're using that, um, don't bring this tool near water um, unless you have supervision. Uh, I would say those were my two. Um, Amazing. <laughs> I'm really glad that I asked that because I feel like that's really important. Obviously, there's a lot of um, danger that could come with this if you're not extremely knowledgeable on what you're doing as far as like passing out or going unconscious. So, um, yeah, also would you, and I can link this in the show notes, but would you say there's any, um, really informative or inspiring, helpful YouTube videos or anything that I can link in the show notes that'll help them just kind of elaborate more on what you've been saying? Yeah, I think there's a lot of information out there. So I'll send you over, um, a few videos that just come right into the top of my mind. I, I can't send you any videos that speak particularly on the method I teach, because like, like I said, there is no information out there right now on that. The closest thing to that would be like either holotropic or Wim Hof, but it's really like what I teach is a mix of all of it. So it's a bit different. Um, but there's two videos. One is a two part video that I'm going to send you called being brilliant every day. And that speaks about, um, everything that I taught you with the feelings and the emotions and that different framework and understanding um, the breath work and heart rate variability and all that stuff. So if people want to learn more about that, then I'll send over these videos, two part series on, I think it's on YouTube. I think it's a, a Ted talk or something like that. And it's called being brilliant every day, part one and part two, they're both about 30 minutes long. So that one's really powerful. Um, the second one I'll send you is um, what the, the author of the book, why zebras don't get ulcers and he speaks for about an hour and a half at some lecture and uh, that one's really powerful too that explains the nervous systems explains the harmful effects of being stuck in the sympathetic system how we get stuck there why we're stuck there for periods of time what that does to our body and the long-term effect and also the power and potential of learning to deactivate into the sympathetic or sorry to the parasympathetic system and what that can bring um and so as far as videos to watch um, I would say these three just right off the top of my head are great. Um, there's, there's a bunch of other cool videos around breath and different things though, but most of it is the, um, 
most of what you're going to find is, is the power of deactivating, the power of the parasympathetic system and the harmful effects of the sympathetic system. Um, but then again, don't be discouraged because the sympathetic system is actually crucial. And for real thriving and for, I think, for like full, like extreme development in your own consciousness and being, I think it's important that the, the sympathetic system is actually used and activated. Because without struggle, without resistance, there is no growth or evolution, right? Like a butterfly needs to go in a cocoon to be able to, to be what it is. A seed needs to be covered in dirt and darkness to be able to bloom, right? So we see that, that without resistance, there is no growth and development. Um, and so the sympathetic system is a part of that, that, that experience of resistance in our reality. And so that's very, very crucial to our survival. And the, I think the reason people are preaching so much of the parasympathetic is because the reality of our overstimulating society is basically getting people stuck consistently in the sympathetic system. And that can be very harmful over a long period of time. But that doesn't mean it's a negative thing. It's just, like I said, it's bad if we get stuck there. It's not bad if we are able to consciously use it to evolve and to grow as individuals. Amazing, Bear. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm really excited to check out those videos um, myself. For everyone who feels really called to connect with you or you know, be more in tune with what you're sharing, what's the best way, would you say, to follow along with your journey on Instagram? Yeah, I think Instagram probably the most active. That's at SkyBearB. Um, I guess we didn't speak about this, but my legal name is Sky Bear. A lot of people are like, what's up with the Sky Bear? Um, but yeah. yeah, I didn't have a name for the first few months of my life. And eventually, that's another story for another time. But um, <laughs> okay. my name is my name is Sky Bear. Um, and my Instagram is at Sky Bear B, um, B like ball. And so that would probably be the best way. That's where I do most of, you know, my sharing and my work. And then also, um, yeah, if you if you hit me there, then I can kind of lead you to other areas, which are more maybe intimate spaces. I have different kind of private groups that I communicate and share and teach in depending on what people want to learn. And um, yeah, I do different challenges where people can kind of, like I said, learn about breath work or about relationship or about whatever that may be in the time that I'm sharing. Um, so yeah, I would say Instagram is usually uh, the best place to find me. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I'll be sure to link all of your things below in the show notes, but I think we'll wrap it up here. Cause I know that we could talk for hours about so many <laughs> subjects um, but this Absolutely. is incredible introductory experience for anyone who either is just getting to know more about breathwork or actually has no idea about it at all um yeah i just want to acknowledge you for a moment for just being such a pioneer of light and transformation and using your knowledge and the incredible information that you have to help transform the world and be of service to others. And I know that you're changing so many lives, including mine. And yeah, I'm just really, really grateful to know you and to share this space with you. So thank you. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It is such a, an honor and a pleasure to share this path with you. I'm so happy we got connected and that we became friends. And um, yeah, I'm excited for all the magic to come. I don't know if you'll be in Bali in May. I'll be there for, for one yep. of the breakaway, you know. Uh, we'll see how powerful that that experience is as well but yeah thank you um i feel honored absolutely honored to be able to come on here and to to connect with you to share with everyone listening um thank you guys for for the support you know for for all the love and um yeah i'm happy that um that we came to to connect and i'm sure that there's a lot of magic to come whether we do another episode or we you know yeah. do do something in the future together so 
Absolutely. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate the the chance to come on and just to open my heart and to share the things yeah. that have saved me in, in my life. Amazing. I can't wait to hear all the feedback. Um, I just have one last question for you to close up this podcast. And I would love to know your definition of love. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a full-on question, but I love everyone's yeah. perspective on this. Yeah. My definition of love. Let me think about that for a second. How do you define love? I don't think love can really be <laughs> defined. But if I if I had to define it, I I, I would say <laughs> right. What what does love mean to me? It's interesting that because when I think about that, I think of all the things that we label as love that are that I don't believe love to be. Right. Yeah. Whether it's attach whether it's attachment or possession, whether it's kind of an infatuation or all these things. So I guess seeing what love is not, I guess, leads me more to the, to, to the answer that I'm looking for, which is love is the driving force of the entire universe. Right. Um, I'm going to attach one more. I'm going to give you one more video. I really recommend people watching this video and they'll understand what I'm saying here. This is a 30 minute talk from a man named Daniel. His last name is S C H. And then I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I'll <laughs> ruin it. But anyway, he is one of he is the one of the most fascinating minds I've come across. He is incredible individual. He does a 30 minute talk. He talks about this idea of emergence, and you'll understand what I'm talking about when you watch this video. I please, 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 if you do anything, watch this video. Um, and when you watch this video, you'll understand that love is is the fundamental driving force of the entire universe so what does love to mean to me and love is what makes it all work you know from the cosmos from the macro to the micro love is is the force beautiful that's, yeah. that's all you need to say love is the driving force of the universe <laughs> i love that yeah. thank you so mm -hmm. much again there. Thank you, love. hopefully we can do another episode sometime in the yeah. future but otherwise i'm sure people will love to connect with you thank you all right love 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 my dear i'll send over all that information so you can post it and have everyone get access to it but um yeah thank you thank you thank you appreciate thank you. it That concludes this episode for today. I acknowledge you for taking the time out of your day to expand your level of awareness with me. I really hope that you enjoyed it. And if you did, I encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, if you choose to share it on your Instagram story, feel free to tag me at infinite.creators and let me know what you loved about it. If you wrote a review, don't forget to screenshot it and email it to me so I can send you a free copy of my cookbook or my dream life workbook. Thank you again so much for listening. Your support means the world to me and I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day.